to the Local Bar Podcast with your host, Chad Alexander. Come on in. We have a lot of friends we want you to meet. Hi. How are you? From beautiful downtown Columbia, South Carolina, located right in the heart of Rosewood, this is the Local Bar. I'm your host, Chad Alexander, and of all the places you could be, you've decided to spend some time with us today for that. We're incredibly grateful. How you doing? Local Bar can be found on Spotify, iTunes, iHeart, all the places you get your good podcast and your bad ones. You can find us. Uh, we're part of the Libsyn Network. If you're another podcaster, want to hook up with us over there. If you uh, want to follow us, Local Bar Media, over there on the Facebooks, and... Uh, I think inst no, Chad Alexander online is Instagram. Chad Alexander online sounds very professional. For a moment, it was real Chad Alexander because there's so many fake chat. I, I, I years ago, years ago, I'm talking like 2002. I, I get the internet may have just been created. I had um, I actually got the website chadalexander.com and I didn't do anything with it but I got it in case there was ever a day I wanted to do something somehow that was branded around my before Instagram and the Facebooks and all that before my I was just so forward thinking just I was just all all about it this this idea of branding and I didn't do anything with it and I, and I let that go away and somebody bought it and they don't do anything with it but they want to sell it for like $8,000. Now, as far as I'm concerned, I'm the only, I mean, I'm real Chad. I'm the only one that would want to buy it. So they must think that I'm highly successful and that I want to pay that ridiculous price. It may be more than that. Go check out GoDaddy and see if you can buy it. I don't know what in the world. It's, it's, it's just ridiculous. Then there was a baseball player who professional baseball player who I, I don't think did that great. His name is Chad Alexander. Anytime you looked it up, uh, maybe he could be real Chad Alexander. But anyway, whatever that is, I decided to nix that because it sounded dumb. Chad Alexander online on Instagram. But if you want to, if you want to send us a message, just reach out to us through our Facebook page. Shoot us a message uh, over there at Local Bar Media. Would love to hear from you. Hope you're doing well. Got a great interview this week. Um, someone who does something that you've probably never thought about before. Um, and you may not be thinking about it now, but somewhere, I promise you, somewhere in your life, within the next few years, either you are going to be dealing with it directly or you're going to know somebody in your life who is dealing with it. And I'm going to tell you, it, it's something that you, you need to spend a little bit of time listening to today. Plus, she's very, very interesting, and uh, she has just a great story behind uh, what, what drives her. So uh, that'll be coming up in a minute. Let me tell you. Let me tell you what's going on with your boy right now. I'm, I'm struggling, people. I'm, ha- I'm having a hard time. My wife is really patient when it comes to certain things. She's she's awesome at it. She um, when it comes to financial matters. As long as it's planning ahead and not not one of those, you know, the oh, crap, like the oh, crap, we got to get this. Oh, my God, this just broke on the house. All that. Yeah, she still panics about stuff like that. But 
planning in the future, she's amazing. I mean, she works in the stock market. She's great with this. She's she's all good with this kind of stuff. I'm okay in the oh crap time because I can I can scramble. I'm I, I like I'm, I'm when it when it comes to the ability to scramble during financial situations. I mean, I'm Michael Vick. I will I will make moves that you didn't even believe could happen. And then if I need to toss that ball downfield, oh, it's going now. Uh, yeah, I might throw the fifty-two percent completion percentage like Michael Vick did, but still. I can I can scramble when that stuff needs to happen, but when it comes to planning, it annoys me. Like it annoys me because I'm in sales and I've been in sales my entire life. I've ta- I've been in sales since I was three. I've been trying to sell ideas to people or get my butt out of trouble. Like I've been in sales my entire life. So I look at everything from from that that lens, you know. Like it, and like it, it, not just today. Well, what's in it for me? I just need to know what you what you're gonna do for me. I'm not saying I do that with everything, but I do look at the value of something that we're we're going to put in. If it's money, time, effort, whatever. Um, but then, whenever I see somebody else doing anything, even if I'm not involved, my mind immediately goes to. Well, I wonder what their motivation is in doing this because it really doesn't make sense on a cost-based analysis, right? So, we are looking at buying a house. We're not we haven't bought it. But but we are looking at I have I am I am I'm about to be 45. I've never purchased a house before. I've always rented my parents, my dad uh, my mom and dad, just the way they they grew up, they always had. My dad, if you don't know, my dad was a was a preacher, and um, in the Methodist church, they always have a house that you move. They call it the parsonage, and you the church owns this house. So as they move preachers around, you don't have to worry about buying a house. My parents didn't buy a house till they were like, I think in their fifties. I'm I'm not you know. So I I don't have any. I got nothing. There's no. There's no memories I can go to that I can relate to any of this. So I'm learning about this process now. And when I say learning about it, I mean my wife is doing every bit of it and letting me know the little bits that I need to know in order to move forward. This is about the this is about the this is about the damn dumbest thing I've ever seen before in my life. This whole and it's not like first of all, I'm not quite sure what a realtor does. And I'm in sales. Like I'm not really sure. No, no offense to you, realtors. If you want to let me know, please reach out to me, local bar media on Facebook, and just shoot me. About. I'd love to know, because it just seems like everybody wants to get around the realtor. I guess if you are moving to a new city and you don't know anything about it, and you don't have any friends, and you're not, you're not familiar with the neighborhood and the schools, and you know, is that little place down on the corner where people are stopping to get gas, but it's very dimly lit at night? Is that a safe place or not? You you need I, I get it if you need a if you need a guide to tell you where to set up your teepee in this grassland so the buffalo don't trample you. I I completely understand. I get that. Okay, I, I get that. Outside of that, I got no idea why they're there. This thing with mortgage companies, though, let me tell you what I want. I know right now the housing market is dumb. And I understand that they got tons of people wanting to get um 
to get to get money from them because they've got to they, they've got to spend they they, they want to buy those houses and you've got people that want to get other houses for rental and then you got you got all these people you've got all these companies like BlackRock and everybody buying buying land left and right I get that and then you got these jokers that have tons of cash I don't know where they've been the past twenty years but you got all these people that suddenly have wads of cash that'll walk up to you at your house and be like. No, oh, I'll see you've listed your house for uh, $250,000. i tell you what, uh, before you even put that on the market, I'll go ahead and give you $7 million for it right now. And I don't know what they're doing. I don't know where. I get all these people that have been winning the war on drugs on street corners apparently have saved. Maybe they've invested in the stock market and, and um, when COVID crashed it, they, they reinvested. Maybe this is all the people that were invested into GameStop. I don't know where all these folks with cash have come from. But they've made this be very just just I don't understand this market. And it's funny dealing with a mortgage company like I like we, I even we, we were using a friend of ours mortgage company and um, and she's kind of walking us through this kind of stuff. And she's great. And, and it's awesome. But then all of a sudden, like the underwriters come back and they want to know, like, like the, you've given them all the information. And then they come back and they're like, well, I need to know the size of your pinky toe, please. I'm not really quite sure what to do about it. Like this. Some of the questions that, I, that I've had thrown back, like, make no sense. I'm not going to go into it because it's, it's, it's the details of my finances. But it's I don't I don't understand the back and forth. Like, I've told you everything. What in the hell else? You've got my credit. I want to go back to 2006. And I know that everybody's like, oh, no, you don't. Yes, I do. I want to go back to where these people who only make money, they only make money if they loan money out to somebody. They don't make money by keeping it. They, they, don't, they don't do that. Maybe they do. Maybe they've got it in some great savings account that for some reason they've got 7% interest that none of us, none of the rest of us have. Maybe they do. I don't think they do. They make money by giving me $100,000 and charging me $50,000 for it. That's what they do, right? I want to go back to 2006 where somebody's like, oh, you've got a, a credit score of 416. I'll be glad to give you $600,000 for this house that's only valued at $400,000. i am fine with that. I'm fine because of ease of use. Because I only need you. Because I don't have $300,000 just sitting in a bank account. And because I don't, I want to borrow this money from you and you got a deal. Charge me an, an, a ridiculous interest rate. I'm fine because I want your money and I will use your service. This is the, it, it, I, I understand now why my wife keeps me at two arms. Like, I, I don't really, during COVID, I never understood the six foot apart rule why is six feet fine but five feet is death i you know there's a lot about this from a guy who works in the medical community i'm just i I don't mean to harp on it i'm glad we're kind of moving forward and figuring things out there's some parts of this that that are dumb to me i can understand my wife keeping me six feet in separation away from any of this stuff because i it drives me crazy and i don't understand it and i just get annoyed but annoyed by it I, I work in an industry, I work in healthcare where I have to deal with insurance companies. You want to talk about a racket. I have to deal with that. And it's, uh, it's one of those things that there's still an ounce of customer service that they try to get. This is like, the, this is like you, I've given you my pinky toe size. All right. So we're good now. It's like, Yes, well, uh, I need to know. Well, that's fine, but uh, how often do you wear flip flops? And uh, what's your favorite color? Like, I, some of the questions I'm getting sound like that to me. 
I'm like, you have my entire financial history in front of you, my credit score, which is not bad. And in all this right here, you, you see what my employer does. You see how much money is coming in. Debt to income ratio should have been figured out in about 30 seconds. Wouldn't, I don't understand what you people are doing. So all of you that work in that market, here's what I really can't get. There's tons of mortgage companies out there. If I were a mortgage company and I want to get in on things right now, I'm 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 selling our services based off of ease, ease of use. And I guarantee you I'll be the number one mortgage company in the world. The world. Because I cannot be the only person who feels like this. I understand, joking aside, I understand it's complicated. And I also understand that the market dictates a little bit how they act. But I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you, if I end up not if I end up not buying a house and I'm sitting around three years from now, housing markets crashed, mortgage companies are sitting on the on the side of the street like um Mortimer and what's his name at the at the end of that movie, all they used to be all uh, rich and now they're now they're just bums and they're trying just to get by. Uh, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis and Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd have have tricked you. That's it. And you all of a sudden like, well, Chad, I, you know, I got I've got a little bit of money now. Offering me, a, I'm going to be the most hoity-toity. Like, well, I'm going to need to see y'all's financial records over the past few years and see how you've lent out to everybody that's around you to make sure that you haven't been doing any predatory lending. And uh, while you're doing that, uh, also I need to know uh, how often you wear flip-flops. Maybe not. Maybe I'm never going to get that chance to do it, but I, I deal in principle, baby. I did. And I understand that the world's not always going to play fair with me for that, but that that's the way your boy here works. I don't know. I do think though there's a lesson that I've learned in in dealing with this, and it and it reminds me of um, of something that I don't know. Ten years ago, maybe about ten years ago or so, it was I, I was kind of faced with something, and I had to learn a very important lesson in life that that I I don't know that everybody ever fully grasped, and I'm thankful for it. It was painful to have to deal with it. But I'm, I'm thankful for it. And it's something that even when I'm coming through times like this, like this is stressful, but let's also, let, let me let me be frank with you here. I, I'm also looking at doing something that's really cool. There's a benefit to me of, 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 of dealing with stuff like this. It's not that big of a deal. It's really not. It just, I just don't understand it. But there, there is, this is not a, a, oh my God, I'm going through such a hard time. I, I need something. It, 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 it makes sense. It all, it all makes sense in the end. But there was a time in my life when I had to deal with something that it didn't. And I had to take a big spoonful of a lesson that we need to learn as people. And it's, it's good to learn it as an adult, but we probably should learn it in our teenage years. And maybe you did, um, but I think it's always good to have kind of a reminder about that. More on that in a second. Uh, I want to bring up the interview right now. Look, when it comes to uh, aging loved ones, a lot of times we don't want to talk about it. And I, and I know as a guy who has worked in the worst, as a guy who's worked in hospice, I completely understand and, and get where you're coming from on, on that. 
Uh, but I'm going to tell you, you never want to be behind the eight ball. One of the things that I tell people all the time when they ask me about my job is that they'll say, what's the like the most surprising thing about it? And, and really what it is is that everybody thinks that if something happens either to themselves as, a, as an aging person or to their aging loved ones, is that there's really no place for them to go. The truth of the matter is there are millions of directions you can go, but you don't know about it. And if you don't know all your options, then sometimes you can go down a road that may hurt your ability to make changes later. So one of the things I tell people all the time is to not wait. Just don't wait to start looking into this. It's very important to at least know the map of where all the roads go. This interview brings up something that I I can guarantee you 90% of this audience has not thought about. And every single one of us needs to hear about this. Uh, So I, I hope you enjoy this. And uh, I will talk to you on the other side of this break. The devil walks the streets at night, shake, rattle, and roll. The devil walks the streets last night, a deleterious soul. A black shoe, suit, and tie. Gotta see to believe A rogue and bones A girl life size With nothing up his sleeve One of the things uh, about my job that I don't I don't talk about a lot is that I I constantly get to meet with other people in in different areas and communities that while they may not do exactly what I do or or or, or work as a customer that I call on there, there's a large community of, of different people and different services that uh, surround the medical community when I'm doing my actual job and not this podcasting thing. And with me today is uh, Kinsley Turnipseed. She is uh, someone who works for a company called My Other Mother. Uh, It's very interesting what they do, and it's probably something most of you haven't thought about. Kinsley, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So you and I uh, got connected through a friend of mine. But we, it's funny. We just got to meet in person yesterday at, at a at a local uh, a, a local communing of a lot of us that work in the senior health arena. Will you tell people a little bit about my other mother and just uh, thirty thousand foot view? What what exactly do you guys do? Okay, so we like to think of ourselves as um, the moving coordinator. So when we have families that come to us and say, hey, mom and dad are having to move to senior living or mom had a path, and we have 40 years worth of stuff in a house, and we don't even know where to start. So we come in, and we're the point person. Instead of having to deal with 10 to 12 people in that house, we handle you know, the decluttering. We handle the donation. We handle if there needs to be an antique appraisal, an art appraisal. Does there need to be, you know, a dumpster for possible trash, which there, you know, some things are not donatable. They're just trash. We help. We do the packing. We work with the movers. We work on the other side of the move if it's within the state to help mom and dad get set up in their their new place. 
We do space planning so that we understand, hey, mom and dad or loved ones, we can't take every piece of furniture into your new place. Um, and so it's just this series of helping families walk through, which is a very difficult transition for their parents or an older loved one. Okay, I got I got to ask you something. So first of all, I think that's awesome. I, there are people that are listening to this that have dealt with this, that are that are telling themselves right now, "Oh my God, I wish I'd heard about this before." There's a group of people that have no idea that one day they are going to deal with this, and they're going to be very happy that they heard uh, about this. I had to ask a question though because. Even though I know about your business, and we're going to talk into a little bit about where I've had to work with people that did not have your service, um, mm-hmm. I have to ask a question. You were kind of cutting out there for a second. Did you say you help with art appraisals? Yes. Yeah. Okay, that's awesome because all right. So as we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get into some of this here in a minute, but with a lot of the generation that we're dealing with as far as when I'm looking at like the, my grandparents and then the stuff that my parents have um, my parents have uh, inherited from them. We can talk yeah. about stuff. We can talk about furniture. and People understand that probably at least a little bit. They probably don't understand how complicated and how hard it is. But go from, hey, I'm living in this house to I'm going to live in this assisted living. You can only take about 5% of your stuff with you. And, and that's very difficult when they look at art or, or, you know, like one of the big things that's gotten passed down that it seems to kind of be uh, getting like, like ending at the baby boomer generation because people don't have room for this stuff. Things like grandfather clocks that were huge for, for older generations that have been passed down through families. These things are not cheap. They don't want to just put them in just any estate sale. That that's a huge deal. How, how much of that do you deal with it? And what's that process like? Well, yeah, we have a series of kind of a checklist of how we start. We start with the art appraiser and the antique appraiser coming through and saying, you know, these are the things we can sell. These are the things that we believe have value. Um, So that way I think it gives the family peace of mind. And we're, you know, I think I'm in my 40s. I consider myself the sandwich generation because we're dealing with, people whose mom and dads or parents lived through the Great Depression, and they did keep all of that stuff, and it is getting passed down. But because people above me have moved mom and dad out of somewhere, they're saying, I am not going to do that to my child. Like yeah. My last my child is they don't have to clean out my house. Grandfather clocks, yeah, they're hard. A lot of people don't want to move them because it can mess up the system inside if we lose the key. So we place all of that into the hands of someone who is well qualified to deal with it and help the family, you know, liquidate some of the assets. And um, I talk with families all the time that children will say, you know, we have this stuff. My grandparents had it. They passed it down to mom and dad. And now we don't want it, but we feel guilty. We feel a burden to keep it, but we don't really want it. Sure. Um, yeah, so that, uh, we deal with that a lot. Like, so, so many times that the family, the kids come through the house and they're just like, look, you know, we, we don't want this. And every time we look at it, if we took it to our house, we would kind of feel mad. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah. What? So, you know, I, I've, uh, let me let me back up a little bit because you and I really haven't talked 
too much about this, about the background that I have, but let me tell you one of the areas that, that I see it, and I think people need to get a little bit more used to this. You, you, you mentioned about wanting to be a burden to their kids behind them, and I, I'm gonna tell you one of the things that I saw and this, don't let me paint too much of a broad brush here. I'm and, and I'm I'm not giving anybody any kind of false hope for this. But when I, I was an assisted living administrator, and one of the things that I, I knew I was finally dealing with the baby boom generation when I heard people coming in and either looking at our assisted living or wanting to plan for the future because they didn't want to be a burden for their child the way that maybe they felt their their parents were to them and having to place them somewhere where it was safe and having to, 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 to put them in an environment where they could be cared for in ways that the, the children them, themselves couldn't do because they live very busy lives and, and they didn't want it to be seen as they didn't care for their loved ones. It's a very complicated and complex conversation to have not only with your, your, your aging parents but with yourself. But one of the things yeah. that I saw is that it, and while they understood that notion and they really went forward with that is... Is the, is the actual burden of like, well, I've got to do something with this stuff and mm -hmm. I need the monetary value to be there because I don't want to just throw it out on the street, but I'm not quite sure what to do. And so when they, when they were moving into the assisted living, they were having to do it or their children were having to help them do it. And there, that's a, that is a painful process. It is, it is, it's painful when we move and leave a house anyway, to think you're leaving all this stuff for good, not just a location. You're not really taking anything with you. It's very hard. Talk to me a little bit, not only about what y'all do as the, the physical moving for people, but how you're there for them to kind of be counselors for them as as you move forward with this process. Oh gosh, you hit the, you hit the nail on the head. All people wear like one percent bins, containers, um, organizers, we're nine percent therapists and motivators. <laughs> yeah. um, we are certified senior move managers, so we've taken the classes. I'm dementia certified. Um, my grandfather had dementia. I had to watch my mom deal with this. Um, I'm two hours away from her and, and just all of that processing and it it becomes compounded grief right mm. because um, adult children are trying to not hurry up mom and dad but you got to let that go you've got to do this you got to do that why are we arguing over a sandwich bag filled with twist ties like why this is silly throw this away and one as the mediator in between I try to help both sides feel validated and feel heard and feel seen. And a lot of times before I even go in to meet with, you know, the older client, the people who are moving into assisted living, I make the children very aware. I say children, they're, you know, the grown children. Yeah, yeah. Mom and dad or older person is my client, not y'all, but the older loved person. And you have to understand, please understand that Mom and dad probably have lost some of their health. Mom and dad maybe have lost the ability to drive. Mom and dad maybe have lost the ability to cook. Now, you're asking them to give up their things, and the thing is the only thing they have control of left over. So yeah, they're gonna be very clingy and very, you know, it, it is hard for them to let go of 10 pieces of Tupperware, even though they don't need it. Um, it, it's hard for them to say, you know, that's not sentimental. And the other hard part is for them to look at children and their kids and say, we don't want that, mom and dad. We, we just don't want that. 
Um, so it's very complex. It is a lot of mediating grief. It's a lot of being able to listen to both sides. It's understanding the pain from both sides and, and trying to just walk with them through that. There are a lot of hugs. There's a lot of crying. There's a lot of, it, it's a very um, emotional job. And I just feel so, I just feel so honored to be a process of that for families. I really do. Uh, you know, it's that time of year. I mean, we even call it spring cleaning because everybody is getting yeah. rid of their, their winter stuff and then all this stuff from Christmas that you don't realize is still yeah. out everywhere. And so everybody's kind of putting that up. A, a few years ago, uh, my wife and I decided there's this lady, uh, Maria Kondo, I want to say she had a, a book that's yeah. out that everybody went nuts over. Yeah. So we actually tried that method because, you know, we tried mm -hmm. doing our spring cleaning over a weekend or something. All right. I'm going to tell you this, and, I, and it's, it's somewhat embarrassing, but I'm so glad my wife introduced us to our life. We did that, and we did that, and I thought it was dumb. I, I went kicking and screaming into it. I'm like, I'm not going to sit and meditate with my house about what's important. Like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I'll give every, I'll give any, I'll try anything twice, right? So I was like, okay, I'll give this a shot. By the time we were done, we gave away over 23 bags of clothes, which is ridiculous that we still had anything left in our house. I could not believe how much was still there. All the other stuff was like crazy. The kitchen almost made my wife like like mental. Like she, she could not, she really struggled with going through the kitchen. The crazy thing about it was, it took us an entire it took us the entire month of July. It wasn't one weekend. It took us the yep. entire month of July. And I I sat there and I thought about it. I mean, I'm someone who has seen the out the other side of what you're talking about. But I've never looked at it from my own personal side of things. Like we're not talking about spring cleaning over a weekend. We're talking about making a, a major shift into what I possess and what I'm not lo no longer going to hold on to. And, I, and, and you know, what we're talking about in, in this case is not only am I doing this, but I'm changing my life. And what's going on is I realize I'm moving into a different phase. What's that like when you're dealing with, with folks that are, 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 are hitting that and not just the clients that you're talking about, but watching their children realize oh my god i'm i'm really at this point with mom and dad well i'm glad you mentioned speak on because she was kind of the first one that busted you know onto the scene and people realized oh professional organizers is a thing um and it has a very specific method and we use that method um someone put that book in my hand and that's kind of what sparked the idea to roll around of oh this is a thing but the first two jobs I landed were this type of senior downsizing. And that's when I thought, okay, this is another part of this. So, yes, I think a couple of things happen. I think either you have gone through this process with mom and dad or grandparents, or you just, there's just this new minimalistic movement kind of feel across, you know, you see it on social media. There are lots of books about it. Yeah. Um, Josh was the founder of minimalism, and I think we just start to understand that experiences are so much better. Um, and I, I want my house to be filled with, as Marie Kondo would say, things that spark joy. I, I don't want to look at a vase from great Aunt Edna, who's been dead for 30 years, and just have residual anger. Um, so, again, looking at it through a lens of, 
okay, what do I really need? We've got to do this. We've got to stop talking about it and say, we are going to do it this weekend, or we are going to do this, you know, six hours this weekend, and then, you know, just keep on and keeping on. I think, you know, I always tell people it's like a diet. You don't like the process, but you like the product. Um, And I do think, like you said, I hope you felt some type of, you know, you felt unburdened. You felt a little bit lighter. You felt like your house was more of a sanctuary than just a, you know, kind of a a cluttered mess. And sometimes it's not even mess that you see. We throw it in cash, throw it in bins, get in the garage so we don't have to deal with it. But once you make that shift in perspective, you kind of don't go back. What's it like when you're dealing with the dementia patients? Um, what 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 kind of difference is that when you're when you're when you're having conversations with someone who feels like they need to be a part of it, but but due to the situation they're in, they they can't be in the moment the the way you can with other patients. What's what's that like? It is so varied by. So I watched my grandfather have dementia, and then I got the dementia certificate, and I really have a heart for people with dementia. I think I really have a heart for their family members who have to, you know, I tell people, I lost my grandfather seven years before I lost him. Yeah. And so you just have to know the client and know the family dynamic. Sometimes it's better if, you know, they just take mom and dad and just kind of take them somewhere else, and, and we kind of declutter and go through things. Um, Sometimes if a client with dementia is there, it can be, it's very confusing and disorienting for them. Um, and they they might become combative. They, it might become a, a situation where they absolutely will not, will not let anything go. It, it not, we're not talking about sentimental family um, history stuff. It, it just could be a container or it yeah. could be owl. So you have to go into it just with the mindset of, okay, every client's different and we're going to see what the family dynamic is and we're going to see uh, how the client reacts. I have a very, very sweet client right now. Um, he's 76. He's in mid-stage dementia. But you know what I love about him is he's fine to sit in there with me. Um, and as we're going through things, he was a carpenter. So he has lots of tools. And he's like, do you know what this is for? And he'll start telling me about it. And the things I take out, he doesn't, like the next time I go, he doesn't say, you know, where's my fall or where's my this? But then I get to hear again, let me tell you about my mom. She grew up on a farm. And these are the funny stories she told me. So I just think it's awesome to hear those stories. Um, because people with dementia, their their short-term memory is, is fading away. But those long-term memories, are significant to them and they're significant to me. I mean, there's nothing better than living history. So, you know, going back to your original question, it just varies. And I think you have to know inside and outside what dementia. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I, first of all, I really appreciate being able to talk with those of you that work with dementia patients like that. It, It is a very tough thing. It is not, it's not people think they know how difficult it is and it's 10 times more difficult than they than they believe and so no. I, I i think you you know the patience you have but the heart you have for it i think is very important so i i, I really do uh, appreciate that that aspect of, of what you do and the biggest piece of advice of family members and i used to see this all the time because i was a 
um, a speech language pathologist within a uh, skilled nursing facility, you know, in another lifetime, please just be where mom and dad or your loved one is. Yeah. If mom and if it's 1953 and they just drove in from Tennessee, that's great. How was traffic? That's awesome. The car okay? Everything working all right? Okay, all right. Oh, Betty hasn't been here today, even though Betty just left. She'll be back. You know, she had to work. She'll be back later today. I think the biggest frustration, what causes it to be so difficult with dementia, is people just, you know, Uncle David, it is, it is 2022. I've already told you this. You just asked me that five minutes ago. Now, I, I, please understand, you did have lunch. Yes, you did. Just, it's just be where they are. That cuts down so many um, behaviors, and it, it helps with their anxiety and frustration. So that's what I always tell people. You just got to be whatever moment they are in. You... um in, in kind of closing here, I'm, I'm curious, uh, obviously, you, we've probably stirred up some people's thoughts into how complicated this process could be, how tough it's probably going to be. And then there, there's a group, you know, there's a group of people listening to this right now that are not only going to think, yeah, that's something that I probably need, but there's, and, and I, I don't mean to, I don't mean to, like, like, to talk bad about anybody, but this is just part of the human condition. There's a group of people that are going to say to themselves, Oh my God, I can't even think about dealing with that. I hope something else happens. Right. Can right. you can you talk a little bit about what you see on the other side after the process is done? What do families, what do the, the, the customers that you deal with, the patients, what is it that you see, um, the, the, at least the common threads uh, amongst them once you've gone through the process and it's complete? Oh God, well, so we, we try to do both sides of the news. We've had a couple of people say, no, no, we can handle decluttering. We can handle this side. We just want you to get mom and dad set up so we don't have to do that. Um, that side, we have seen sometimes adult children come in and they're not even speaking to mom and dad because they're so angry. They're just, they're tired. They're overwhelmed. They're done. Mom and dad are done. There's a lot of frustration. And people that have, kind of use this on both sides or you know one side or the other they they just cry and say i'm so glad i found you god bless you for doing this job this i don't even know when i just sometimes i feel guilty because i get paid <laughs> so <laughs> i just you know i'm like thank you god bless you for allowing me god bless you for asking for help and, and god bless you for meeting mom and dad where they are and understanding that now you can get to assisted living or senior living and you can go have lunch with mom and dad and it's okay because it hasn't been a battle there's actually um a book called the swedish art uh, or the gentle art of swedish death cleaning and i recommend that book even though it seems kind of fatalistic a lovely woman in her 80s wrote it her first book ever it's an international bestseller and in Sweden, they start this process years, like two to four years out of even mom and dad thinking. And it's led by mom and dad. Um, so that makes, you know, mom and dad, while they still are kind of with it and have help and all those things, are able to say, hey, here's some furniture that, you know, we really care if it saves the family, but do you want it? Okay, great. We'll donate it. Um, here are some things. So but by the time, you know, Whatever happens, happens. Either moving into assisted living, aging in place, moving to 
a senior living community because we're just not moving mom and dad home with us much more in this fact. Um, yeah. It's going through the process so that it's healthy and it's somewhat fun. You get to talk about it and talk about the pieces so that when that next transition happens, it's a more natural flow. Yeah. It's a less process. So I highly recommend that book. Okay. Awesome. Well, Kinsley, thank you so much for spending time with us today. I, I really appreciate you talking about this subject. It's one that I think um, a lot of folks don't realize is there, and then they, they panic when they get to it, or they just don't even think that there are people out there to, to help with things like this. So I think it's a wonderful service and a great thing to get out there. If people are interested in finding out more about this, how do they find you? How do they connect with you guys? Um, well, there's website. It's meetsmyothermother.com and we also have Facebook and Instagram and all those things and it's at myothermother2018 um, and any of those avenues you can have direct access to me, email me, we're a team of six so you know chances are we're going to be able to take on you know your move and your timeline pretty much um, about 90% of the time we're able to follow a timeline that a family needs Oh, that's awesome. Well, Kinsley, thank you so much for being on the show. It's great to sit and talk with you. It was wonderful to meet you in person yesterday. I really appreciate it, and I uh, look forward to catching up with you again soon. Awesome. Thank you, Chad. All right. Have a good day. Thanks. Wake up. Think about it, what's it gonna be? The air that surrounds it is not enough to breathe. The stars that surround you, they fall at your command. The sea, it will drown you and bring you back again. I want to thank Kinsley for taking some time out to come and, and join us. It's nice to be able to talk to her. She was she was super nice to meet the other day. Uh, we have a we have a mutual friend that uh, has actually said something to me before about her being on the show. So I'm I'm glad we we're able to make that happen. And uh, really appreciate the job that that they do. Let me tell you, as a guy from the from the other side of, of the service that she provides as, as someone who has been there with families that have to go through that. You, you don't realize how stressful that is. Um, nobody wants to give away a family heirloom. It's like, you're, you're supposed to keep that right. But eventually you get stuck with all the stuff and it just doesn't make sense anymore. And then some of it is, you don't want to just put it out there on the street. Some of it's pretty expensive. Some of it's got some value to it. But no matter what, it's got an emotional attachment to it. Not only that, I'll tell you, one of the things that was really tough for anyone that was moving into the assisted living facility that I that I was working at, um, whenever I talked to them, I mean, they're all moving from these huge houses to something that's basically a two-room apartment. You can't take everything with you. Heck, you bring like two weeks' worth of clothes at a time. That That's what you do. There's nobody there to, to take care of the house anymore. So maybe it's going into a trust or maybe it's going to a family member or maybe they're going to look at selling. I mean, these, these are complicated things. The truth of the matter is you can kind of get working on them 
or at least an idea of what your game plan is going to be if if you just start having a conversation. You don't want something to come up and, and, and grab you by surprise. But if it does, or if it has, there are people out there like Kinsley and, and her group and other kinds of resources you can find out about. I will tell you this. If there's any advice I can give you, if there's someone, if you're helping out an aging loved one or, or working with a friend who's dealing with something like this, if you find a company that you like, whether it's the assisted living facility or maybe a home health group or maybe a sitter service or whatever it may be there, ask them, hey, do you know anybody that does anything like this? We're all connected. None of us are the jack of all trades for this stuff. Nobody is. We all have partners that can help with anything. Delivering meals to them, fixing their plumbing. There, there's a senior group for that. I'm not kidding. There, there are different things out there where if you if you just ask, I promise you, any of us that work in this line of work, uh, we want to take care of you and your family the best that we can. And it's a it is a it is a tight knit community. Um, and people that are constantly referring work out to other folks because they need it. It kind of brings me back to what I was talking about before with this stupid house project and everything. I, uh, I, I'm going to tell you something. I, um, I've had, I've had a, I've had a rough time lately, um, trying to make sure that I'm, uh, getting things working with uh, my job and make sure that, you know, everything, everybody with the family is good. You know, one of our daughter plays travel soccer. I'm going to tell you right now, here's one thing I learned as a, as a, as a parent. Anytime your kid wants to do anything and they put the word travel in front of it, I don't care how it's explained to you. It is going to be 20 times more stressful. It is going to be a hundred times more in- infringing on your schedule um, but I, I want, I'm going to tell you something on the other end is that I, I've, I was at their final practice last night and I, I realized something about my daughter's growth in it. Uh, that's been great, but, but I, I will tell you, it is a pain in the butt and, and, and travel soccer is not as bad. We've got some friends that do travel volleyball. I feel like they're on tour with the stones or something. They're gone all the time and travel baseball. Don't even get me started on that. God, I pray for you people that do that stuff. But everything's been, uh, there's a lot of stuff that's been going on lately. And um, I'll kind of let you inside the, the door here real quick. And I'll I'll, I'll share something with you. Um, and I'm going to be kind of vague about it. But I, I want to tell you this because it's part of the message I want to share with you this week. For about three months, I've been dealing with with something that's been very hard to deal with. Um, I, I see my therapist. She's great. She's wonderful. Um, she does she does a great job. I if you don't see a therapist uh, and you feel like you're a little off, get one at least for a month. Just just give it a try. Just see them see them see them every couple of weeks or so. It'll be. Uh, it's, I, I'm very very pro. Uh, people spending time with someone who can help them understand how they think. Um, it's very challenging sometimes, but it's 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 wonderful work. But we came across something that kind of freaked me out. And I I don't I I don't mind telling you this, but um, kind of a well, it's not kind of it, it, like a repressed memory, and I've never really dealt with that. 
I mean, I've heard about that, but I always thought that was somebody like, yeah, I kind of want to tell you I forgot about that, but I didn't really forget about that. But I like to say that I didn't remember that, and that's just what it is. I have a pretty, I have a pretty, pretty good memory. Uh, one that sometimes annoys the crap out of my friends. <laughs> I have such a good memory. Uh, I also don't carry burdens too far, so it's 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 all right that I have this kind of memory. So it surprised me when in our therapy, um, something kind of came out that I, honest to God, honestly, had just completely had no recollection of whatsoever, and um, it, it was it was. It was tough. It's been tough. It was one of these where um, she even gave me the advice. Hey, why don't why don't you just take some time and just kind of process this? And a couple of weeks down the road, a month down the road, whatever it is, why don't you just come back and then we'll we'll, we'll kind of take it from there. Um, thankfully, I have a therapist that's, that's that cool with that kind of stuff. And it was one of these things that just kind of bothered me. Um, and really, at the crux of it, it was when something terrible was going on in my life, and I, I wanted the outcome to be different, and it wasn't. And um, and it was very hard to deal with the consequences of that. Um, I, I saw something the other day on my Facebook. I, my favorite thing about Facebook is now that I've been on it for so long, really I get on every morning just to look at the memories, to see where I was, how many years ago, pictures that uh, I may have forgotten that I had. Uh, just just, just cool memories because, you know, Facebook, you don't really put a lot of negative stuff on there. It's, it's kind of nice to wake up in the morning and look at that. And then I mistakenly open Twitter and the world's on fire, you know. But um, something popped up the other day. And uh, it was uh, from 13 years ago, 13 years ago, just the other day. And I put on there, I'm going to be a dad somewhere around December 10th. And I saw all the comments below it and all the likes. And it was kind of a neat thing. I, I remember where I was sitting when I typed that. I remember just hearing the news. We had gone to the doctor to make sure that pregnancy test wasn't giving us some kind of false thing. And we were excited. We were elated. And I spent some time the other day thinking about that. Where my life was. What I thought was going to happen that day. The, the way I, I thought things were going to be. And I was suddenly given... A, a reminder of that lesson I was talking about before. You see, that, that didn't happen. And as a matter of fact, that was the beginning of a very hard period of my life. Um, when I look at my life, I kind of, I have it, it's, it's segmented. And, and that was the one that was about a two, three year process that was not, not a very good part of my life. We found out months later that we had lost that baby. Um, and it was very sad. And it was a, it was a tough thing uh, for my ex-wife to deal with. It was a very tough thing for me to deal with. Um, and there, there, were, there were parts of that that um, caused both of us to look at some things a little bit differently. Now, the, the silver lining to that, though, was... 
a year later, a year to the day, by the way, we found out that um, my ex-wife was pregnant with our our daughter, Bryn, our 11-year-old that we have now. And she's wonderful. She's amazing. And and and, and I, I can't imagine not having her. Like, I can't imagine she being something I would miss out on. And then life continued to roll and change. And we got divorced. And I... I kind of changed my career path with where it was going. I started this I started this show. I found um a woman that that means so much to me and a and another daughter that I never even pictured having and I look at both her and my daughter now and can't figure out how I got lucky having both of these incredibly wonderful kids. And I have a dog I had a cat at the time. My life looked so different than where I thought it was going to go that day that I typed that I was going to be a dad December 10th. Because life doesn't really go the way we plan. As a matter of fact, I don't know that anyone has ever had their life go as they planned. Oh, the first thing somebody will say is, well, I thought I was going to be a doctor my entire life. I'm sure, but I bet you didn't get into the school you wanted to. I bet you didn't get into the specialty you thought. I bet your practice doesn't look like what you had in your mind. And by the way, life's not over. Be careful. You tempt her, <laughs> she'll throw a monkey wrench at your plans fast. My friends that are uh, very big theologians, We'll talk a lot about predestination in, in this respect. I don't know how much I believe it, but I, I will tell you that I believe that one or two things are true. That yes, these Presbyterians that I know or anybody else that may believe in predestination, maybe they're correct. And there's something that's laid out for all of us and we just go through the ups and downs of this wonderful play that somebody has put on because they believe that they would be bored if they didn't. I don't know. That's where you guys lose me on this. But I'm not saying that it's not true, because I've heard some very good arguments for it. Or I believe that life is complicated, that no one's single life dictates what goes on with everybody else's. And we all have to deal with the fact that we're all meshed together. One person's decisions may affect somebody else. One person's undecisions, is that undecisions, non-decisions, Somebody not being decisive can also affect you as well. There's a there's a neat Bible verse, and I cannot, <laughs> this is why I'm bad at this, I cannot remember which one it is. It's not one that you hear very often. Uh, and I'm just going to paraphrase it because I'm going to screw it up. But But somebody was talking one day about what God does and what he uses. And one of them is he uses what people think is like the dumbest thing to to prove the people that think they're the wisest that they're wrong. And God uses things that look like the most powerless thing on the face of the planet to prove those of us who, who believe they have all the power to prove us wrong. I, I get that. I understand where that comes from. I think it's a beautiful sentiment. The way I look at it is this. Um, 
we're given challenges, unfair stuff happens. We persevere and make the most out of this life that we have. You know, people don't people don't know what's going to happen with their parents. They don't know. They don't get it. They don't. They're not quite sure. They want them just to both fall asleep, holding hands, something like that. You know, that Notebook movie, and they believe that's how mom and dad are going to go. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, uh, there's a pretty dang good chance that's not how it is. It's not how you're going to go either. But it doesn't mean that what we do can't be wonderful. And it doesn't mean that what we do has to be so terrible. And even though it may not be what we had planned, it doesn't mean that it can't work out to be more perfect than we ever imagined. That's not easy to swallow. Nobody really likes that. I don't care if you think of yourself as a control freak or not. No one really wants to be that out of control, but it's just the way it is. Sometimes the bank doesn't loan you money for some stupid reason that makes no sense to you. So you figure it out. Maybe something better is coming along. Maybe you made some bad decisions when you were younger and you still feel like you're paying for them today. There's a lesson that's coming for that. And there's something that you can be for somebody else. And maybe, just maybe, that that was happening because it kept you from continuing down a bad path. You know, it's one of the things that we, we don't really talk about. When we talk about, like, our bad decisions from our past... And we, and we get embarrassed that we made them for so long. At least there was a point we stopped. Because there are some people that I know that, that just keep making them. And whether they're just oblivious or they're just like not willing to change, at least you did, you know. And maybe, maybe life hands you a, a hand that you can't play. Sometimes life will steal from you. That's just what happens. But, you know, if you reach out and you look around, there's always somebody there. I don't care how bad things are. I don't care how desolate it seems. I promise you, if you just start looking, you will find someone who can help you. And just because you tried this project and it didn't work out the way you wanted it to, doesn't mean that it's not going to turn out to be something fantastic. Just because you tried this job and wanted to, to, to see something wonderful out of this, and this was supposed to be a step up from where you left, maybe it is a step down. I talked about Tony Dungy last week. One of my favorite things I've ever heard him say was he went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, started making all these changes. He, he's a very prayerful man. He prayed to God all the time about what he was going to do, about how he was going to figure life out. And, uh, you know, he, he was going to, he knew that if he ran that franchise the way that he felt God wanted him to and was that evangelical person that he needed to be, that, that, that God would bring him something. And, and he did. He, he brought him a pink slip. He got fired from that job. <laughs> and then he took a lot of those lessons and what he learned and what worked and what didn't, and he went to the Indianapolis Colts and they won Super Bowls. And he talks all the time about how he doesn't look at that as a failure. And, he, and even though he didn't get what he wanted, there was something in that lesson 
that he needed. That's not easy. It's not easy, but it's just the way it works. I can't do a damn thing about it. I'm sorry. That's just what it is. I don't know what your plans are. I don't know what you're shooting for. I don't know what goals you have for this year. But I just want you to stick to it and keep your mind open. Maybe somebody's telling you to keep doing what you're doing. Just try it a different way. Maybe somebody's telling you, get the hell out of this. You're not doing this right. This isn't going to work out for you. But take the lessons with you. Maybe you're sad. Something's been stolen from you. Maybe you're sad. Because you you didn't do something right. Whatever it is, there's still a life ahead of you. There's still days. There's still time. There's still people. Go find them. Enjoy your time with them. Keep your head up. Don't ever give up. Just keep moving forward. Thanks for stopping by the bar. We've picked up your tab. But if you'd like to leave the best bartenders you know a tip, head over to patreon.com forward slash local bar and support the show. Any support is greatly appreciated. If you'd like to drop us a line, send your emails to chad at localbarmedia.com. Thanks for coming in. See you next week. This podcast is part of a local bar media. For this and other shows, visit localbarmedia.com. So do